When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Karen Edwards is a travel writer, editor and author based in London. She's written for BA High Life, Time Out, Telegraph Travel, The Guardian and many more. And her fourth non-fiction book, The Responsible Traveller, was published in July 2022. And in fact, she's about to start a brand new role, stepping into the newly created sustainability editor role at Wonderlust. This is the latest episode of The Journey Podcast where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Karen and I spoke about significant experiences, good and bad, that have perhaps defined her life and career. And funnily enough, one particular trip not only helped her to meet somebody very important in her personal life, but provided a defining moment in her professional career as well. Let's join Karen in the middle of the Southern Ocean near Antarctica. was um, invited on an expedition cruise down to Antarctica um, which you know sounded absolutely insane I was like Antarctica who <laughs> really does, yeah. end up there um, so I said yes uh, a friend and I traveled to Argentina we backpacked around Argentina first and then went down to Ushuaia and got on a cruise ship going down wow. to Antarctica um, so I don't know if you know much about expedition cruising but um, they they're quite different to normal cruising um, you're obviously going to more remote environments sure. um, and to complement that there's a there's a series of lecturers and experts in that area on board who give presentations and um, teach you about what you're about to see that down there. Um, and there were some fantastic people on board that trip. Um, our expedition leader was so knowledgeable about polar regions and Antarctica in particular. And then we had marine biologists, historians, um, wow. birders, you know, uh, lots like of school, different let's see. It was, and yeah. I was a real but, geek. I was but good school. Oh, yes, if you're, good oh, if you're a geek, then all school is good. Okay, no, sure, well, no, sure. no I, I wouldn't say I was a geek at, at school, <laughs> okay. but I was on that trip. Okay, I was right at the front with my notepad, um, just <laughs> loving it. Why and not? what Amazing. I didn't know was um, 
that marine biologist who was up there on the stage was going to be my husband one day. So I met my oh, future wow. husband on that trip. Oh, that's a really good story. Yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. So that's that's what he's still in marine biology now, is he? So... He is, yeah. He he sort of works between tour guiding and marine biology. So he kind of combines the two um, and is freelance. So does both whenever he can. Wow. There you, there you go, folks. The, tr- the a, a love story for the modern age. That's wonderful. <laughs> on a, in the middle of, I guess, the Antarctic Ocean is where you two met. Is that, is that all right? Uh, yeah, the Southern Ocean, somewhere, Southern between, Ocean somewhere between Argentina and the, um, yeah, Antarctic Peninsula. I've, I've seen films <laughs> written with less of a plot, to be honest. <laughs> uh, that, that's amazing. <laughs> So, yeah, that's probably my happiest story from traveling. I, I would hope so. Otherwise, you're going to have a very angry <laughs> husband, if not, right? <laughs> yeah. And what about for maybe something less less enjoyable, less less romantic, for sure? Uh, less romantic. Okay, I'm going to take you back to my um, my very early days backpacking. Um, you know, when you have that, the, the folly of youth and you're yeah, out now. there. I'd like to think. Well, yeah, so I think I have to. That was a no. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Karen. <laughs> no, that was a yes. <laughs> yeah, I still have it now. Yeah, um, okay, we both no, do, definitely, definitely. Absolutely. But no, I was I was solo traveling um, through Southeast Asia um, for a bit, doing very much the classic backpacker route. Sure. But then I branched off a little bit and went down into Indonesia. Um, and I was traveling with a friend at that time. She headed straight for Bali. I decided I wanted to see Sumatra and Jakarta first, and then I was going to join her afterwards. Um, and I ended up um, in flying straight into uh, Sumatra and then finding this um, absolutely beautiful um, jungle lodge that I wanted wow. to get to that I decided I was going to go and spend some time with uh, time at and back then I had a paper guide it was a lonely planet guide that I was carrying everywhere with me Great with all times. the recommendations you didn't have the internet to you know look up latest news or anything like that so I followed the advice I could find in lonely planet which was to get into the capital go straight to the bus station and get a bus straight out of the city which I did except I didn't quite realize that the buses going out of the city, Medan, um, were very slow. They stop every couple of minutes. So what should ideally be a probably a four hour maximum journey uh, ends up being about an eight, nine hour journey. Um, So I ended up in this town uh, where I had to then get, you had to get a boat to a little island where this resort was um that I was planning on staying um I ended up getting there at about 11 o'clock at night which wasn't wise um and when I got there obviously I was a solo traveler but I'm also a woman uh I got there at night and um walked into the only place I opened which was like a community center slash bar um and ended up being surrounded by people asking me who I was where I was from um being quite you know, a bit forceful and aggressive trying to get information from me. And I was trying to communicate, you know, how can I get across the lake to sure. this to this um, resort? And, you know, they, they don't want to know. They were just asking me questions. And then some were saying, you know, come here. My brother has a lodge for you to stay at. And I was like, no, that doesn't sound safe. <laughs> I won't be doing that. <laughs> but equally, I was in a position where I thought, what am I going to do if I can't, you know, I can't get across this waterway? Um And then randomly, some guy just walked up and said, actually, my friend has a boat. We'll go and get it and we'll take you across. And I was like, is this 
for real yeah <laughs> i can't work Crikey. yeah and i should say in this in this town you didn't see a lot of women walking around women were tempted to be at home with the kids the men it was a lot of men out right. and about and i was feeling a little bit outnumbered um and um i had no choice really because my choice was either to take the guy with the brother with the lodge uh <laughs> or jump on this boat and see what happens so with i agreed. the guy with the brother right it was like <laughs> yeah. rock in a hard place wow yeah, yeah absolutely so i just had to say yes um and ended up on a boat uh in the pitch black my with Lord. my backpack next to me um, and two absolute strangers that I'd met about three minutes before taking me across at quite a big waterway. Um, not, not guaranteed what was going to be on the other end. Um, so I had a moment, I have to say, where I promised myself I would plan better. If I got through this alive, I would plan better. I would look after myself better. I wouldn't make such silly mistakes as to turn up somewhere late at night and not know where I was going, not have anything prepared. Um, but, you know, true to their word, they did take me to the right place, dropped me off right at the sort of ste steps that went up to the lodge, helped me with my bags all the way, and then just said goodbye and left. They didn't want a payment. They didn't want anything from me. Wow. They, they were being genuinely kind. So, you know, there were, two, there were a couple of lessons to learn there. Firstly, you know, there are some lovely people out there Absolutely. who will always help you in need. And that's one of the most beautiful things about travel. You know, Thanks. it helps you to meet incredible people. And secondly, um, I mean, whether you're a woman or not, if you're traveling solo, you should always have a backup plan and always be, you know, I, I'm very much someone who likes to go with the moment. And I like the thought of not booking ahead and, you know, seeing what turns up. But equally, there's a safety aspect to be aware of and um I think I think if you're going to solo travel that's something to really consider um and after that I was much more careful I, you can still be flexible and careful at the same time okay. um and that was a really valuable lesson I think I learned and not something I've forgotten I have to say well absolutely it certainly sounds like it thank you so much for sharing that with us Karen folks that's a really really powerful story and if you're out there listening perhaps we can all take a lesson from this please do be careful out there especially if you're traveling solo especially if you're a woman uh, fortunately, we all have mobile phones nowadays, so it is easier than ever to stay in touch with people. But do plan ahead. Do let people know where you'll be staying. Uh, fortunately, of course, in this case, there are good people in this world. And meeting these people is actually one of the wonderful aspects of travel. In this case, a potentially very horrible situation has had a happy resolution. And of course, this wonderful experience, you know, the, the kindness of strangers and helping somebody in their hour of need is perhaps what travel is all about. Maybe it's even fair to say that this uh, positive experience helped you along your way in the world of travel and travel media. And it's led us to the present day where you have an exciting new role in the industry, joining the awesome team at Wonderlust as their sustainability editor. Let me be the first to congratulate you on the new project. Perhaps you could tell us how it came about. Well, I had the pleasure of meeting Lynn Hughes, the founding editor of Wanderlust, um, quite recently, well, quite a few times recently. Um, and um, the subject of the role came up and um, we discussed options and what 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 it will entail. And I think what's important to both me and what I realized to Wanderlust as well is that this isn't about, you know, having the badge of sustainability out there and saying, you know, we support sustainability, but not actually following that through. Sure. Um, it's it's about doing real things to uh, bring light to what sustainable travel is. Quite a hard question to answer if you ask anyone, really. Um, and it's about really celebrating the people who are 
making moves in that direction and trying to do their best. So I think that's what this role is going to be all about. It's going to be about highlighting what's out there, how we can be better travellers. Things are very different out there. You know, it depends on the region you're travelling to, the, you know, if it's a city, whether you're looking at wildlife, whether you're out, um, you know, doing cultural activities. Sustainable travel means lots of different things. So we're going to explore that through this role um, and see who, who we can find out there and what we can support. Fingers crossed for you. It sounds like a phenomenal, phenomenal project. Karen, now let's kind of backtrack a little bit. Tell us a bit about yourself, where you come from originally, what you studied and how you got into travel writing. Sure. So um, I am a London girl through and through, born in London. Um, Yep. And you don't hear that very often. So that's um, very true. Actually, there's not many kind of Londoners who are Londoners, as it were. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I've been in the city all my life. Um, I knew from quite a young age I wanted to be a writer for magazines Um, and from probably from about 12 years old. I oh, wow, had a, that is young. Christ. Yeah, really young. Um, I used to just sit there with magazines, kids' magazines, all, all over the floor uh, every weekend. <laughs> My dad would take me down to the news agents and I'd sit there and pour over them. So wow. I knew from a young age. Um, and what I really wanted to do was write for um, music magazines, so pop magazines sure. mainly. Yeah. Um, so back in those days, I used to read Smash Hits and Big and all the, all the kids' magazines. Um, so when I got to that age where I was choosing my degree I decided to do journalism um, and that took me to the Surrey Institute of Art and Design in Farnham which at that time was doing a fantastic uh, journalism course um, so I did my Bachelor of Arts in journalism and through that I was given opportunities to go out there and get work experience which um, amazingly took me to Smash Hits which was my first ever job. Hang on so your first job was basically your dream magazine as a yeah. child? <laughs> yeah. And what kind of age is this? Early 20s, I guess? That was, yeah, about 21, I think. Good, um, twenty, Yeah, yeah, 21. So, um, I mean, you think you can't beat that, but <laughs> I mean, here we are. <laughs> I know I can't beat that. I, was like, I think I was farting around in engineering for another five years. Wow, that's amazing. Was this the days of, of internships or what kind of work were you doing at Smash Hits magazine? Um, I started off as work experience. Yeah, so sure. I, w- I was going in um, just very much helping to open the post and make tea and all run around all, all the classic stuff um but they were a fantastic team really really welcoming friendly and they kept inviting me back um so I went back a few times and um jobs started popping up they they were a part of a publishing house called emap at the time which went on to become bow media mm-hmm. um and uh, they kept inviting me back and jobs started popping up so I started applying for them and eventually I got one um and that was for another teen magazine. So that was a magazine called Sneak. Um, so that was my first proper job. Wow. Um, and from there, I, I sort of moved around a little bit within Bauer, which was fantastic. Um, I became the uh, deputy reviews editor at Heat magazine for a while. So basically, my job was to listen to music and watch films and <laughs> read Sounds books right, doesn't it? all day. That's, yeah, that's, that is the dream for so yeah, many was, people. Wow. Yeah, that was fantastic. Um, but at the same time, from from about well, since I was a child, my parents have always um, encouraged traveling. They they've taken me on some beautiful holidays throughout my life. Um, they're from Sri Lanka um originally so they they've lived in London for about 50 years but we right. went used to go back to Sri Lanka um to visit family Colombo so, or, or the city um half my family are near on sort of around Colombo uh-huh. um the other half are on the other side of the island on the east coast in Batakor. Uh-huh. um so we'd travel around um and 
you know, spend a lot of time with family. And I think a lot of that was um, instilled in me from a young age that I wanted to explore and I wanted to see places and understand cultures and, you know, um, just get to know the world a bit more. So as soon as I was um, old enough, I started backpacking um, pretty much solo. Um, there were, at that time, gap years were common but for, for some reason in my school it wasn't a big thing um okay. so most most people went straight on to university and I did too but but as I came out of university I was thinking okay I want to backpack around um in, in between basically doing work experience so I started doing that quite a lot um wow. and my love for travel grew and solo travel grew um and um a few years, you know, fast forward a few years, I ended up uh, leaving my job at Heat um, to go freelance. And that op opened this fantastic opportunity to me where I knew editors, they knew my writing, they knew I could write features. And so I started pitching travel features um, and people started saying yes. So good Lord. And, and that's kind of brings us to where we are today to a certain Absolutely. extent. Absolutely. Yeah. Kind of were jobs were you doing early days in the industry within travel media? Where did you get to travel to? Uh, your first kind of press trips, your first assignments within the world of travel media. So I was freelance when I first started out as a travel writer, and I was writing for um, publications like Cosmo. Mm -hmm. um, there were lots of online publications like Handbag.com back then, um, Ask Men, um, and things like that. So. Back then, um, I was, to be honest, I was doing quite exciting things. And I, I think my first press trip I was offered was um, foraging in Cornwall, um, which is not something I would have pictured myself doing. Um, but when I got there, it was it was incredible. It was really fun. Um, so we, you know, made nettle soup and nettle ice cream and things oh, yeah. like that at our hotel. So it was something that took me out of what I would normally do as a traveler um, and helped me learn a little bit more. Um, and then I think the second one was um, a road trip uh, on Route 66 in a Mustang. Well, so it I doesn't went from, get much different. <laughs> <laughs> foraging in Cornwall to Route 66 in a Mustang. Um, no, so no. it was it was pretty amazing to, uh, you know, I didn't I didn't get into travel writing because I thought I'd be you know invited on press trips but, but actually I don't weirdly I think don't think that crossed my mind it was more about being able to write about what I'd already done um because I had oh, so much really to say about my experiences um and I'd had all these incredible experiences and then suddenly I was like oh I get to get have go out and have new have experiences, more experiences. Yeah, yeah this is amazing um so yeah it was just absolutely amazing um once I got into the industry to understand what was out there and I mean that Route 66 trip. I started. I started in Oklahoma and ended up in California, um, and it was it was just me and a Mustang, which you know, is pretty amazing. You know what? There is something. I honestly, to this day, I know it's it's a bit of a cliche. Sure, it is, but that might be my biggest bucket list trip of all time throughout the world to want to do. You know, all of the cliches, as you say, Ford Mustang, Bruce Springsteen on the radio, yeah. boiling hot sun and the, the heat shimmering on the on the road ahead of me. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. I don't know why. Since I was probably about 15, this one of these quintessential Americana or whatever you like to call it kind of road trips. Yeah. I am absolutely kind of uh, not not that there's anything wrong with foraging in Cornwall. I mean, that's <laughs> that is wonderful as well. And I've, that was wonderful. Lord, I've, Lord knows I've done plenty of similar opportunities and they are really really wonderful as well but yeah the, the the mustang thing and that was for um ask men which was a men's website um back then lifestyle well, they didn't website. ask me 
I could have done that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe that wasn't the wasn't the perfect writer for it. <laughs> it also showed me, I think, that there are different ways to. I I I always backpacked. And, you know, solo, like I, we talked about solo travel, I've yeah. always been a backpacker. I'm not a big luxury traveler, naturally, you know, by nature. Um, but that showed me another way to travel that um, gave you that independence, gave you that, you know, freedom of being a being out there on your own, discovering the world, but also, you know, having road tripping in a way over long distances that maybe I probably didn't have the confidence to do by myself. Yeah, 100%. Right? Um, and, you know, it was doable. It was absolutely doable. And yeah, I had some great nights in, um, I think Arizona stands out to me in a little town called Williams, which is the gateway to the Grand Canyon. Um, and I just ended up in a bar, um, had dinner and just went, went walking around basically to see what was around. I ended up in a bar, which is a bit of a dive bar, if I'm honest. They're the they best were, ones. They're they the were, best and ones. it was because there was this incredible lady who I'm sure had like styled herself on Dolly Parton behind the bar um beehive and everything she just absolutely brilliant and she was um she was just dishing out cocktails two for one um you know handed me a cocktail I sat at the bar and then they started doing karaoke and these guys in Stetsons and cowboy boots came in rockers bikers they you know these guys in leather jackets were coming in and they were all just like standing up there and you know blasting out Aerosmith so I was like (laughs) you know what I'm going to join in amazing (laughs) um so yeah I ended up doing karaoke that night with some people I I wasn't expecting to meet and it was so much fun and again in in many ways a a quintessential travel experience slightly on the (laughs) opposite end of the spectrum to what we to what we were speaking about a few minutes ago but yeah the uh the it's going to get a bit ethereal for a minute but the power of travel and the kind of the the common connection with a bit of music and and uh maybe a drink or two along the way And of course, more recently, you've been working for the travel mag we call Journey, Journey Travel Magazine. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how you got involved with Journey and the story that you wrote for us, if you would. Um, So I've I've known um, Cav and Jordan um, through the industry for a while. um, And then they very kindly, when when they put out their alerts and Emma Gibbs puts out her alerts for um, stories, I'd I'd pitched um, quite early on um, and they came back to me and said, okay, the the story that um, I had pitched wasn't quite right because they had someone else writing on that place, um, but did I have anything else? Um, So one of the stories that, uh, again, in the sort of responsible travel, sustainable travel mindset, one of the stories that came to mind was um, diving with bull sharks in Fiji, which is something I've done twice now. Um, And it's an interesting experience because, you know, wildlife interaction and responsible travel is quite an interesting um, crossover. Um, it doesn't always work. Um, there's this particular um, experience which takes place on Benka Island or between, between the mainland Fiji and Benka Island mm-hmm. um, is done in a very special way because it, it promotes conservation. So they they were... Um, losing bull sharks in that area for a long time and they were trying to work out how to how to conserve and bring those waters back to life um, it's very nutrient rich waters but um, just due to overfishing and things like that they were they were losing their fish life unfortunately um, so um, this incredible conservation project has combined tourism with um, 
you know, showing showing us these incredible creatures underwater. I don't know if you've ever seen a bull shark, but they look fierce. <laughs> <laughs> they really do. Um, they are up there with, with I'd say, you know, looking as scary as tiger sharks or great wow. whites, but obviously wow. not quite as big. Um, so on this experience, I um, I was with a group of divers. You have to be able to dive um, to advanced level to go down there. Um, you go down to about, I think it's about 20 meters. Um, and um, the sharks come in to a feeding station um, and you sit there holding onto rocks on the floor of, on the seabed and um, watch these sharks come in and um, they just swim around you and interact with each other. You watch them sort of tussle with each other and- it's it's an incredible thing um and then all around you at the same time you've got the rest of the marine life um so you've got reef sharks you've got turtles further up you know you've got lots of different things going on so it's a beautiful place to go and um the story i wrote for journey was what that felt like to be underwater with these sharks but also the conservation that then comes into that um and i spoke to a few experts about you know whether you know whether we should be even doing it um, and this is something that comes up quite a lot. Should we even be encroaching on that of environment? Course. Should we should we be anywhere near wildlife in that way? Um, and I think the general consensus was that again, much like expedition cruising, um, people come back as ambassadors for those animals. Sharks 100%. sharks have a bad rep. You know, they they get a lot of bad press, unfortunately. Sure. And experiences like that teach people that they're not they're not bad creatures. They're not there to come and you know attack you or anything like that they're just getting on with their lives we are often in their world and it helps you understand a little bit more about shark life so yeah it's pretty pretty special um, experience yeah and of course folks you can read all about that in issue three of journey magazine if you want to get your hands on a copy you can go to journeymag.com that's j-r-n-y-m-a-g.com and you can click the button that says buy issue three we'll be back after these messages I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back, everybody. Karen. I think it's fair to say nowadays you're very much a sustainability or a conservation expert. Maybe that the foraging in Cornwall element was, you know, always there in the, in the background. You've obviously had a varied ranging career, you know, through from entertainment, music into travel and now modern day into sustainability. But how did that final transition occur? How did you move into sustainability within travel? I would say my experiences with expedition cruising was a big part of that Fantastic. um 
and I guess also meeting my husband being a marine biologist learning a lot from him putting the two together um it's interesting I, I I think I think back a lot over my travel experiences from the days I used to backpack to um you know becoming a writer and um going on some phenomenal trips and I think I've always naturally been drawn to quite low key um what we what we label as you know lower impact sustainable travel now but you know to a lot of people it's just travel um and I think that goes back to going to Sri Lanka with my family to be honest um so that's always been in me to you know stay local um my dad always used to encourage us to you know if we weren't staying with family to stay in a local guest house or a and b so money was going back into the community um we'd always go to the beaches that the locals went to eat in restaurants that the locals ate in rather than hotel restaurants and things like that so I think that's always naturally been the way I traveled anyway um and then when I started looking at expedition cruising and these you know these incredible experiences taking people to places like Antarctica or the Russian Far East Japan and um looking at what that, that education around um those cruises I mean the knowledge you come back with once you've been on something like that is incredible. It's it's not something you can naturally do on your own. It, you know, you have to really try to learn that stuff. But when you've got people talking about it all the time, teaching you about the cultures that you're experiencing, teaching you about the environment or the wildlife you're seeing, um, you know, it just it go it goes, you know, it goes together so nicely and you come back so much richer for it. But there's another side to expedition cruising where obviously you are taking a lot of people into quite a remote environment of course um sometimes that is um a social impact sometimes that's an environmental impact um and that wasn't lost on me either mm-hmm. um so seeing seeing that happen especially on the community side i have to say um because you know places like antarctica are very well regulated by um uh by agencies and there's the IATA organization which you know gives you strict strict protocol in terms of you know how you clean your boots and and what kind of outfits you're allowed to wear and all that kind of thing but um on the social impact side when you're going to remote villages say in the far east of Russia um or Indonesia that's a lot if you're bringing 100 people or 150 people into a community of like 40 um, that's a massive impact and the the planning process that then goes into that for that community that's what I was paying attention to when I was w- witnessing that kind of thing um, and trying to understand the work that goes into it how much they depend on that income um, is is that a trade-off you know yeah, how, yeah. how much does it really impact them and what I learned was the communities weren't seeing a lot of that tourist income you know unless they were physically selling something that they've made to a tourist they weren't getting much out of a cruise ship coming in whether that's a small one like an expedition cruise or a big one um and that really made me think about what we're doing you know how are we affecting people on a day-to-day basis by the way we travel um we're getting we're coming back with all these amazing stories and this incredible sense of adventure and the people who we are, who are hosting us, who are looking after us sure. and giving us those stories, they weren't getting a fair deal. They were getting quite a raw deal, in fact. Um, so that's what made me, my mind start whirring, I suppose. Um, and then you add, you know, I've been back to Antarctica a few times since. I've seen the changes um, in the ice and the snow and, you know, the level of cover um, at different times of the year. I've, um, I've 
been lucky enough to go trekking in search of orangutans and come across orangutans with plastic bottles hanging out of their mouth yeah. and things like that. Um, so experiencing those things have made me think, okay, we need to be better as, as travelers. We need to do more um, to say, actually, we care so much about these environments and these people that we we are visiting. We, we want this to be a two-way interaction. It's not just about what we're getting out of it. Um, and Definitely. that was a very, you know, that was a very much a work in progress. It happened as I was seeing it. Um, it. I became very passionate about it and that started to feed through into my writing. Quite honestly, it was only a few years ago when um, someone said, oh, you, you, you write about responsible travel or sustainable travel. Could you could you write something in more detail in this feature for us? But I thought, oh, what makes you think that? <laughs> and I went back and read a few of the wow. things I'd written for them. And I was like, oh, no, I do. Oh, <laughs> I didn't so, even know I was doing it. So humble. So humble. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of how it ended up being the case. And um, and then, yeah, I'm very lucky to have since then, obviously, written a book um, on responsible travel and um, a talk on talk, talk about the subject quite a lot probably boring people to death but you know still talk about not it at all, not at all if it's um, as charming and as interesting as this conversation right now then I think loads of people are going to listen I, I think quite honestly as with all you know looking at sustainable living for example all of that comes from what we understand about the world sure. um, and what you know how much we are integrated into caring about the world um, and that that I think in travel that can only come from experience and from being out oh, there loving it you know it's 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 something you have to do to then appreciate for example you know is what I'm saying so I think you know if you're a regular traveler if you're someone who you know goes away regularly because you for the you purely love tra to travel and you get something out of it it makes you happy and it gives you something that um you don't get at home or you know it, it takes you away maybe from the stresses of a home or whatever yeah, that so. reason is I think I think it's it, you probably have seen it already without noticing you, you know without really you know consciously thinking about yeah. it you probably have seen things where, where you felt a bit uncomfortable and thought oh that, that's probably not the greatest thing I could be doing here or that you know that that activity isn't looking too swish or the, yeah, you know, right. going after the dolphins um yes I'm happy I saw dolphins but that felt a bit odd that we were chasing them in the boat you know those there are so many things that we probably have experienced that we've probably felt a bit uncomfortable with but didn't think too much of it because you're on holiday and you know it's over now and whatever but if if you can t learn from those experiences so the next time you're booking something you think okay that didn't that didn't feel right it didn't sit right so I'm going to go about this a different way let's do it this way that makes all the difference that comes with being out there and seeing things for ourselves you know we re we realize we we do see see more than perhaps we're taking in um and I guess that's that's the idea of you know, writing about responsible travel, whether that's the book or in a magazine 100%. or um, whatever that is, it's to draw uh, draw attention to those things and sort of say, oh, remember when you saw that? You've seen something similar and it wasn't great, was it? Okay, so here's the alternative. This is what we can do. Uh, fantastic, Karen, absolutely. I, I think something that, you know, you are becoming an expert, a world expert on this. So let's get it from the horse's mouth, as it were. I'm sure there are people listening who are who are keen to know, you know, how they can travel more more responsibly, how they can travel more sustainably, how they can reduce their impact. Do you have any anecdotes or kind of tips from from your time working in the industry for how people can minimise their own impact when travelling? 
I've tried and tested so many different ways of traveling. <laughs> I can but imagine, yes, I, right? I probably, I probably could share a few tips. But one thing I will say is that there's no foolproof guide of to sustainable travel. You know, it's con- it's a constantly moving subject. We're I learning so. more constantly. Um, but also, um, and this is a conversation I've been having a lot in the last last few weeks is that um, what different regions, different countries, different cities, uh, you know, different, where we're talking coastal areas or inland areas, what these different places need is very unique. Um, and when it comes to sustainable travel, what goes for, you know, si- traveling in a city is not the same as what goes for, you know, traveling in a, um, you know, by a by a coastline or in the mountains or anything like that so something we've got to also realize is you know you can talk about sustainable travel as this one entity um but it's really important if you're planning a trip to a specific location that you get to know that location before you travel there and learn about what what matters to those people there what matters to that environment there so you know if if you're if you're heading out on safari for example in um southern africa if you're going to botswana or namibia or south africa and um you're heading out on safari do, do your research into that particular area Definitely. and that area of area you know within botswana you know where are you are you in the okavango are you in the kalahari and you know what what do you need to know about those environments and the people that live around there um so i mean that that leads me on to the probably the most important thing i could say is do some research do some reading before you go and just understand the place you're traveling to um you know there are there are a lot of harsh histories out there to learn about it's not always pretty it's not always a you know a lovely story of how a country is in the way it is now um you know we we know that some really horrible things have happened in the past um but to know about those things before you get to a place um will give you such amazing understanding of the people you meet the situations you see around you you'll you know you you already walk in with a lens that tells a story um and a much more real story than walking in blind and not knowing anything about the place so I mean that would be my top tip to anyone is like just do a bit of background reading before you go you don't need to know everything about everything you know but just just have a good read about um you know the general climate of the place the the environment that you're walking into and the cultures that you're about to step into um and what's been going on in their past what what why is this culture the way it is when you're there take the time to chat to people you know go go into a you know a takeaway shop or a news agent or you know whatever you find a little street stall selling patai whatever whatever yeah. it is you know stop by and have a chat um, to people ask how they are you know find out about their day and just let them speak to you about whatever they want to speak to you and that, about and that will that will also give you a bit of um a bit Un- of understanding insight, yeah understanding yeah. and insight on what's happening around you to, to me I, I you know I'm sure you find this side as well but that actually changes your whole travel experience so you know you might that might sound like you are making a lot of effort when you could be on holiday with your cocktail on the beach or <laughs> it's, very, it's very true, it's very true. <laughs> and yes you are making a lot more effort I didn't but... come here to do research <laughs> I know what you mean but it, I, I actually find it quite interesting personally right so yeah you, you, you 
yeah and you walk away feeling so much more fulfilled with what you've seen Definitely. and what you've learned um and then you can do all the sort of more I guess standard stuff that we have become more accustomed to in 2023 which is you know make sure you carry a reusable water bottle make sure you you know have a have, have some cutlery have a knife and fork and a, a plate with you or a little tupperware container with you so you're not when you're buying from a street store you're not taking away a plastic bag or a um, plastic tupperware or something like that you know have reusable stuff with you I always carry like a little bag that I can put rubbish in if you know I'm nowhere near bins or I'm worried about recycling or anything like that um and um you know those they're very small things that we've actually now become quite accustomed to in our everyday lives here in the UK so can we then carry that forward and take it with us um and generally I pack light that's Um, a nice simple one to remember nice easy one to remember um fantastic something I was going to pick up on there is it feels very much like you've kind of taken the marine expedition mindset of listening to people learning stuff knowing what's going on around you if you talk to anyone who's done a marine cruise um and especially to places like antarctica where you know you can't commonly come and go from Uh um people come back as real ambassadors like they they fall in love with the place and I'm so sure that one of the major reasons you fall in love with a place like that so deeply is because you understand it. It's not because you've just walked in, taken a picture of a penguin and walked back out again. (laughs) It's because you understand what that penguin's life entails. You, You understand that, you know, they used to be much further north than they are but now they are now further south because the ice is retreating and it's not it's you don't get as much ice so they actually need to be in certain areas and limited to certain areas of the peninsula that they weren't before you understand that background that that has changed in the last 10 years um and you come back and you go that's not good if I come back in 10 years time will will I have to go so much further south to find penguins you know um it, it puts the reality of both the you know climate crisis but also social impact which you will see in other parts of the world um into into context right in front of your eyes um and I think that's just really important and as travelers you know surely surely that's what we're there to see you know the real context not the sugar-coated you know what we want to see context some wonderful tips there folks if you are kind of looking to um to plan a new trip or look for a new holiday then hopefully there's a couple of things that you can take away with you uh you mentioned there it's important to do your reading when you're when you want to visit a destination when you want to learn can you think of any examples of great publications great websites that you can go to to read a bit more you're very very welcome to mention your own book karen as a good thing to read i'm giving you a you know i'm setting you up for a home run here feel free to tell <laughs> us a little bit about your own book and and maybe um any other websites that people might be able to to get some more background knowledge on a really lovely way to do it is to go back to the old school travel guides. Um, so Brad, Lonely Yay, Planet, Brad. Rough Guys, um, they they put places into context. They in a nice, neat way where you know you're not trawling the internet for information, where you can still get a nice, solid context before you go to a place um, and have that knowledge. But you know you're not spending so much of your time trying to get that you know find that right knowledge so I do recommend even though you know yes we are moving towards or away from print I, I do recommend still getting one of those travel guides before you go somewhere new um, and yes as you say the responsible traveler 
um, is um, out there in the world. And the idea of that book, it, you know, I've tried to put in case studies from around the world. So as you're reading about tips um, on you know how to be more aware and be more conscious as you're traveling I've also included some places around the world that have been impacted by tourism both on the social side and environmental side and the idea is that you know it, it you kind of say oh yes okay I can understand now how that works now let me read about how to change that in my own footprint and the book is it's not going to it's not there to you know change the world obviously the industry as a whole needs to move on this um and that's what i'm hoping we are doing as people who are aware and working in the industry i'm hoping that's what we're helping to facilitate but um as individual travelers um there are plenty of things that we can do to nudge the powers that be and say you know we care about this stuff can 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 you listen to us can we start changing things so that's that's what the responsible traveler is trying to achieve just give you a few tips on small tips but tips that we can take on as individuals i think it's fair to say that like a lot of people are getting are getting very kind of preachy or getting very up on their high horse about this lord knows it's important but we also have to be kind of practical and modest and smart and have real conversations about this rather than making ridiculous grand gestures that actually mean nothing and I, and I think it's fair to say that that's absolutely what that book is aiming to do as well, Karen. It needs to be practical. It needs to be real. It needs to be achievable. Absolutely. I mean, you know, if, you, if you're going to have a grand gesture and say, right, right well, I'm never going to fly again, because obviously flying has been quite clearly pointed out to be a problem. Of course, of course. Um, we're taking away one of the most beautiful gifts that we have as humans to travel, learn about the world, learn about other places. Right. If we didn't do that, we wouldn't be now acting on this climate crisis. If we didn't understand what the world was about, um, we wouldn't want to be acting and protecting the planet. So that travel aspect is so important. And the key, the, I, the idea here isn't to stop traveling or make people travel less. It's to travel in a more conscious way, um, a more considerate way. If you're a regular traveler, and you do take a lot of flights at the moment you know why not take a slightly longer trip rather mm -hmm. than several short trips um and then if you're doing short trips try and go over land take a few more days if you can um but the idea is to you know make you think about what works for you all of us are different we have different allowances with work with uh, you know our funds to you know take us on a trip so what can we sort of play with to make it work for you and it's not a one-size-fits-all it's it you know everyone has their thing that they can do fantastic uh karen i think we're just slowly but surely edging our way towards the end of our time together thank you again so much for your for your time uh let's end with kind of how people can find you online how can they find you twitter facebook or your website etc um yeah so i am on instagram at karen uh, extra n edwards karen n edwards underscore writer just to make that complicated for everyone sorry <laughs> no worries <laughs> and my twitter is just karen n edwards fantastic thank you so much for your time karen it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today thank you so i've really enjoyed it thanks for having me folks you've been listening to karen edwards a travel writer editor and author and the new sustainability editor at wanderlust You've been listening to The Journey Podcast, where I, Cy Wilmore, talk with pioneers, trailblazers and thought leaders who are pushing the envelope in the travel industry. Thanks so much for listening and we'll speak to you soon. Even 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.